Hi everyone, this is Julian Palumbo and Spirit with us. Today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, one of my favorite subjects. Now Jesus depended on the Holy Spirit in his daily ministry on earth. The Holy Spirit came down upon him at the Jordan River. That's where he got baptized by John the Baptist. Before that, Jesus never preached a sermon or performed a miracle. After that, he everything he did was by the power of the Holy Spirit. As Jesus was about to go up to heaven, the what some people call the ascension, he made a promise to his disciples. He promised that he would send them the Holy Spirit from heaven. He did this so that they would have the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. This promise was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost when all when they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was their helper and their comforter and supplied all their spiritual needs. And just as an aside note, the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost are two different ways of saying the same thing. There's no difference in meaning. <clears throat> so, um, I'm going to do a series of like question and answers which might be a more interesting way to learn. So here's the question. With what did God the Father anoint Jesus for his earthly ministry? I bet you can guess that one. With the Holy Spirit and with power. And what did John the Baptist see descend upon Jesus in John 1, John chapter 1, 32 to 33? Well, John the Baptist saw the Holy Spirit descend upon Jesus in the form of a dove. And what did Jesus say was upon him, enabling him to preach and to minister to those in need in Luke 4, verse 18? What did Jesus say was upon him? The Spirit of the Lord. So he himself said that the Spirit of the Lord was enabling him to preach and minister. So if, it, if Jesus needs the Holy Spirit, how much more do we need him? By what power did Jesus say he cast out devils in Matthew 12, 28? Well, guess again, he said, by the Spirit of God. So is he doing it directly himself? He probably could, but he's leaning on the Holy Spirit because his whole life was an example that he knew we would have to follow, that he, that we can follow, and that we definitely need the Holy Spirit to lean on. He didn't have to, but he did it for an example to us. Whom did Jesus say he would send to his disciples from the Father after he himself returned to heaven in John 14, verse 16? Well, again, he said he would send us the Helper, the Holy Spirit. And what other term does Jesus use to describe the helper? He, he said the spirit of truth. He called him the spirit of truth. List two things that Jesus says the Holy Spirit will do for disciples. Hmm. What two things would Jesus say that the Holy Spirit will do for disciples? It's in John chapter 14, verse 26. 
Um, let's see. I would say, I'm going to guess he's going to bring everything to our remembrance. And it'll give us power. Let me see if I'm right. Well, it. I was close. Oh, yeah. He will teach you all things. And he will bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. So, that is really awesome when you think about it. Because... There's so much we don't know and need to know and kind of on an as needed to know basis. And that's the moment at which the Holy Spirit will be there to teach us what we need to know throughout our lives on a moment by moment basis. We can just always lean on him. That goes back to the verse that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path we're going to lean on the holy spirit to direct our path moment by moment what other way does jesus say that the holy spirit will help disciples well in john chapter 16 he says he'll guide you into all truth wow so in the new testament era we are easily misled by doctrines by churches but we need to seek the spirit what is the holy spirit saying where is the holy spirit leading you the spirit of christ how can we know and how can we test what we think he's telling us by reading the word by reading the new testament and really just dwelling in his word every day you will be surprised how that will just clear up all the fog and all the unbelief and doubt and will be a light unto your path. And um, I'm hoping this teaching is a real blessing to new believers, to new Christians, and those who want to fill in the holes of their learning and understanding. So uh, this question says, list two ways in which the Holy Spirit will reveal Jesus to his disciples. Now, the Holy Spirit is going to help reveal Jesus to us. And what two ways are they? Well, do you have any guesses? Well, here they are. He will testify of me, Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 26. And he will also glorify me, Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 14. So he will testify of Jesus and he will glorify Jesus. His job, one of his many jobs, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost jobs is to lead us and take us to Jesus and just testify that, yes, Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the Lord of all. When Jesus, when did Jesus say the disciples would receive power to become witnesses for him in Jerusalem? Well, we touched on this just a few minutes ago. The answer is in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And the answer is, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So Jesus was preparing the, the disciples to receive the Holy Spirit. We, now notice, they're not using the word apostles. They're using the word disciples, which means it's a much broader group than just the apostles. It's the apostles plus all the people that were following him and believing him in him and learning from him at that time. When did 
John the Baptist tell the people that Jesus, what did John the Baptist tell the people that Jesus would do for them? Hmm, does anybody remember that? Well, remember John the Baptist said he baptizes with water, but there's one coming that I'm not worthy to even unloose the straps of his sandals. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So that's what Jesus is going to do for us. He will baptize us in the Holy Spirit. So we, by the, by leaning on this verse, we have the right to ask Jesus and the Heavenly Father to baptize us in the Holy Spirit, to fill us with the Holy Spirit, which I do twice a day, every day. Because we can go through our day and, and uh, quench the Holy Spirit if we go off the track a little bit, if we have sin, if we have unkind thoughts. This and that and the other thing is so easy to get away from letting the Holy Spirit have the, the key, what I call the keys and the reins of our lives. And we step aside, but sometimes by sin or by speaking ill will of someone or just anything throughout our day, we kind of take the keys and the reins back into our own hands. So we always want to give them back to the Holy Spirit and yield once again to the Holy Spirit. So <clears throat> what promise did Jesus give to his disciples just before he went up into heaven in Acts 1.5. Does anyone know that answer? I, you probably should because I told you in this, in this podcast already. And the answer is, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. How about that? Wouldn't that be exciting to be there and have Jesus himself say, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Hallelujah. So, let's continue on. What did Jesus tell his disciples to do until this promise should be fulfilled? So, while they're waiting not many days, what are they supposed to do? Well, Luke says in chapter 4, 24, tarry and wait, which means wait, in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with or given power from on high. And the power from on high, yes, that's the Holy Spirit. So on what day did the Holy Spirit come to the disciples as promised by Jesus? And that was the day of Pentecost, which they call Shabuoth in Hebrew. I hope I spelled us uh, pronounced that right. Um, now, what could the Holy Spirit not? Why could the Holy Spirit not be given to the disciples during the earthly ministry of Jesus? Why couldn't they receive the Holy Spirit during Jesus' earthly ministry? That's a good question. And the answer is because Jesus Himself said He was not yet glorified. He needed to be glorified before he could send the Holy Spirit to us, which means he was taken up into heaven he can't, when he had already been resurrected and he, when he was returned to heaven, he would send down the Holy Spirit in his place so that we wouldn't be alone. Then that means Jesus said, he's here with us now. 
Would Jesus tell us something that wasn't true? Of course not. So that means the Holy Spirit is very much with us right now. And you can ask him to baptize you and fill you. You can ask the Father or Jesus to fill you and baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with power and with fire for ministry, for reaching others, for being... And there is a profound difference. But yet it feels very natural. When the, when the Holy Spirit is working through you and for you and answering a prayer or doing anything... It doesn't feel like an outside force doing it through you. It feels natural and gentle and organic, if you want to use that word. It's very part of you because he indwells us. So, but you will notice the difference. You will be bolder. You will get answers to prayer. I've had the Lord in my daily walk. Okay, this is a little example. Just yesterday, um, I'm very busy right now because I'm teaching art classes and it's a brand new uh, venture for me that just started in addition to my other pursuits. <laughs> so my time is short and I lean more on the Lord, even more than I did before. And I, I'm constantly talking to him throughout the day and I urge you to do the same thing because it is what he wants. He wants us to walk with him, talk with him, and relate with him. And the more we do that, the more he'll walk and talk and relate with us. And I said, oh, Lord, where's that file that um, that I had um, with reference photos for artwork? And I just almost felt like something turned my head to the right. And I, without thinking about it, didn't think about it before I did it. I turned my head to the right and I'm staring at my files and I'm like, Oh, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. You're so good to me. He see, that's how he walks with us and interacts in our daily lives. And when you live with God like that, it's so exciting because you can't deny he's living with you and he's hearing what you're saying and he's answering you in little things and big things. He cares about the most intimate details of our lives. Because that's why he made Adam and Eve. He wanted to walk and talk with them in the garden every night, didn't he? And do you know, if, if they cried out to him, if they talked to him, I'm sure he answered right away. He loves his children. And he wouldn't have made us if he didn't yearn for children that would lean on him. And talk to him. So. Um, now let's get back to what we were doing here. <laughs> but that's what I want. The Holy Spirit inspires me to say these things to you. Because I ask him to. Before every podcast. And. Um, after Jesus had returned to his position of glory. Sorry about the... Uh, my. If, if you've been with me any period of time, you know that I have parrots called macaws. And they hear me talking. <laughs> so they want to talk back to me. And they sometimes get a little bit loud. And I apologize for that. So... After Jesus had returned to his position at glory at the right hand of God, 
What did he receive from the Father? Hmm. He received the promise of the Spirit. So Jesus received the promise of the Spirit. How could the unbelievers present present, sorry, present, know that Jesus had poured out the Holy Spirit upon his disciples? Now you see that? The Father didn't directly send the Holy Spirit down. He gave the Holy Spirit to his son Jesus. And then Jesus turned around and sent the Holy Spirit to his disciples. <clears throat> and how did the unbelievers present know that the whole, that Jesus had poured out the Holy Spirit upon his disciples? Now, how did the unbelievers know? Well, they could see and hear it. What could these unbelievers hear the disciples doing through the power of the Holy Spirit? They were speaking in the languages of the countries from which the unbelievers had come. Is that not amazingly cool? <laughs> that is pretty awesome. So that is very undeniable. And there are many, many um, accounts and testimonies of that happening um, in the mission field. In places where people needed a demonstration that could not be denied. That God is real, he's alive, and he's working through these believers to reach them. That is exciting. Upon whom does God promise to pour out his spirit at the close of this age, the age that we're in? He On all people, all flesh. So the, the age that we're in now, God is constantly trying to pour out his spirit on everyone and woo us and win us to his heart, to his mind, to his life, to repentance that leads to salvation. So when you feel those little tugs and those little pulls in your heart, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that is the Holy Spirit. If you're not saved, he wants you to go to Jesus and just fall at his feet, fall in love with him, repent your, of your sins, and welcome him into your heart, and you are then saved. You're sealed in the Holy Spirit. You're going to heaven. There is no set of rules, regulations, um, oh, rituals, ritualistic things, sacraments that you have to do to be saved. Absolutely not. Even baptism doesn't save you. It's an outside sign of what's already happened inside your heart, mind, and life. So there, there are no works and rituals and practices and sacraments and anything else that, that any church will, would have you do that can save you because it is not scriptural at all. Jesus wanted it to be simple. It's when you... Accept him as your Lord and Savior from your sins. That's what he's saving you from. That's why he's the Savior. He's saving you from your, your sins and from the results and consequences of your sins, which ultimately is hell. There is no purgatory. You don't get any second chance when you close your eyes in death for the last time upon this earth. That is the end of your chances. And believe me, I'm sure the Holy Spirit 
has been wooing you all your life if you haven't really asked Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior. Lord means master. Jesus needs to be your master. He needs to be your Lord. He needs to be your good shepherd, your best friend, your, your everything. And you will never regret it. It's just brings life up to an entirely new, wonderful level that you never had before. And you will never regret it, ever. <laughs> you, will, you will be a different new person. The Bible says that. Old things will pass away. All things will become new. And you'll get a new life in Christ. And um, so we're going back to these little questions. I think there's just um, one or two more. Upon whom does God promise to pour out his spirit at the close of this age? That was everyone. And that's when I said the spirit is wooing all of us because he wants to be... He wants to win us all to Jesus. To whom does Peter say that the promised gift of the Holy Spirit is made available? Well, to you, your children, and to all who are afar off, maybe coming in the coming generations, as many as the Lord our God will call. And we know that it is his will that none should perish. It is the Father's will that none should perish. So he calls us all. And um, we're going to keep this short today. And just um, going to touch on a few other points here. The You new believers, I hope you're enjoying this. I hope you're learning new things that will help you and bless you. The English word for... Christ is taken from a Greek word meaning anointed. So the word Christ is a Greek word and it means anointed. It's exactly the same as the Hebrew word Messiah. So Christ and Messiah mean the same thing. It also means anointed. Jesus became the Messiah, the anointed one, when the Holy Spirit came down from upon him from heaven. This happened at the Jordan River after his baptism by John the Baptist. The title Christ or Messiah shows us that the whole the earthly ministry of Jesus was made possible by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. God desires the same anointing for all Christians. Wow, is that not exciting that we can have the same anointing and power that Jesus had? Now he... Now, 2 Corinthians 1.21 says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. But the anointing which you have received from him abides and lives in you. And that second line was from 1 John 2. Christians are literally the anointed ones. Isn't that excited? The, word, the part of the word Christian, Christ or Christ, means anointed one, just like it does for Jesus. So we are the anointed ones. To be true disciples, Christians must depend upon the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself depended on the Holy Spirit, and Jesus showed us the way. Another word for the Holy Spirit is the advocate. An advocate is someone who pleads 
our case like a lawyer does. The same word is used for Jesus in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. Jesus pleads the cause of the believer in heaven. Now, why would he do that? And why does he have to do that? Because the accuser, the other side of the... Uh, he's our, our defender, our advocate. But we have an accuser or prosecutor, Satan. And he does, the Bible says, he goes before the throne of God. A lot of people say, oh, Satan can't be in heaven. Oh, yes, he can. Until he's final judgment where he's thrown into the lake of fire before the great white throne judgment he has access to heaven so he gets around <laughs> he really does he can go into the the third heaven the second heaven the earthly realm around this earth which is our outer space, so to speak, that's the first heaven, the earth itself, and he even can go inside the earth. And right now he is not restricted. So he goes before the heavenly father and accuses us. But Jesus, our advocate, says, no, they belong to me. They're covered by my blood and they are saved. They're our children. So the Holy Spirit pleads the cause of Christ Jesus on earth through the believer. And Jesus pleads the cause of the believer in heaven. So that might be a little confusing. The Holy Spirit pleads the cause of Jesus Christ on earth through the believer. But that's when we're, we're reaching out to others, trying to win them and show them Christ. That's when the Holy Spirit takes over inside us. And you will feel it happen. It's happened to me that he gives you the boldness. He gives you the words. He gives you the witness to share with others. And you feel that power just take over you. And it's very gentle and it's very holy and beautiful. But it's there and it's powerful. <laughs> so um, in other words... Um, in, sorry, <laughs> lost my spot here. In John 16, verse 7, Jesus said, It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. When Jesus returned to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit upon the disciples. Immediately, and not just the apostles, to do miracles just then and there. He sent it to all the disciples and he wants us to do miracles in his name and even greater than he did. He said that with his own words. He said that we will do things that he did and even greater. Jesus' own words. And that is all through the power of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus returned to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit upon the disciples. Immediately they received a better knowledge and understanding of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Just instantly, click of the fingers, he, they understood Jesus better and they received better knowledge of him. They understood Jesus better than when he was present on the earth with them. 
Thus the Holy Spirit fulfilled his ministry. He fulfilled Jesus' ministry. The Holy Spirit is sent to reveal, interpret, and glorify the person, work, and message of Jesus Christ. This is his ministry to us today. That is beautiful and exciting. Near the beginning near the beginning of all four gospels, John the Baptist points to Jesus as one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The, whole, the New Testament places the greatest possible importance on this part of Christ's ministry. The Christian church should do the same. But you know what? They don't, especially in this end time. Many churches are so cold, so dry, so empty and dead. You never see any movement of the Holy Spirit in them at all. You go, sit down, sing a few songs, Listen to a message, sing some more songs, and get dismissed. And there's the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit you rarely sense in these days. And that's really sad. But to the best of your ability, find like-minded believers and get together with them, even through the internet. Uh, any way you need to, even if you just have one other friend that you pray with, that you and uh, we'll talk about your your prayer language uh, when you become baptized in the Holy Spirit. You will re, you you will receive a prayer language. Now that's a personal uh, language. The Holy Spirit will pray through you and for you when you know not how to pray as you ought. To bypass Satan and his demons. They can't understand that language. And it gives you direct access to the throne of God. And it allows your spirit, your inner human born again spirit, to pray directly to the Father and the Lord Jesus via the Holy Spirit's prayer language operating in you. Now, this is a personal gift that each believer can have when he's baptized with the Holy Spirit. And um, it is not quite the same thing as when the people heard the disciples speaking in their own languages at uh, Pentecost. That was um, the gift of tongues. And that's also a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. Um, but that is for ministry to others, to human, to other human beings, and um, for reaching out to win them to Christ. Um, the prayer language, obviously, is between you and the Lord to pray, to pray better as you ought. Did you ever get into prayer and like five minutes seemed like a long time? And you're like, wow, I don't know what else to say, Lord. I'm sorry, but I'm, I ran out of ideas and uh, amen. <laughs> well, that is where your prayer language comes in. The Holy Spirit knows what you need to say and how you need to say it. And it can bypass all the obstructions the enemy will put in the way of your prayers. And take it straight to the throne room of heaven. And sometimes you can go on and on for minutes at a time. I've heard even believers go on for hours at a time. I'm not there yet. But I also know that the Holy Spirit knows when we have limited amounts of time in our lives, in our busy lives, but we want to pray. We want to intercede for 
our lost friends and, and family. We want to do so many things. We want to ask for the needs of our own spirit, our own heart. And we don't even know our own heart and spirit like God does. He knows what we need. He knows what we want better than we do. The desires of our heart sometimes are buried so deep uh, that we don't even know. But the Holy Spirit does know. And he will take all these needs, desires, intercessions for other people to right to the throne room of God. So I want you to be excited about receiving your own prayer language. You, Your relationship with the Lord will just deepen and grow even more when you receive it and use it in your prayer time. And um, we're almost finished here. Gospels close like they open. The four Gospels in the Bible close like they open with the promise of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's really interesting, isn't it? That means the Lord thought that was super important to mention it when in the beginnings and mention it at the ends of every Gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. By his death on the cross, Jesus purchased the gift of the Holy Spirit for every believer you know, the Lord did so many things on the cross that I would like to do a study on that soon. All the things that happened at the cross, it's really mind-blowing. And you just may be under the impression like I was that, okay, Jesus, I've always heard Jesus paid for our sins on the cross. He, he suffered and died, so we don't have to. And that's very, very true. But he did so many other things that people don't know that he did. And one of them was purchased the gift of the Holy Spirit for us personally, each believer. After his resurrection and ascension, Jesus had the special privilege to receive this gift from the Father and then present it to us, a gift to us, his disciples. <coughs> Excuse me. All through the New Testament, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is attested by the supernatural evidence of speaking with other tongues. And that's what I was just talking about. At the close of this age, God has promised that he will pour out his Holy Spirit on all people one last time. Every Christian has the scriptural right to ask for this gift. He's pouring the Holy Spirit out right now. And all we have to do is ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I do that every day, twice a day. And new believers, I urge you to do the same when you're praying to your beautiful Lord. Always ask to be filled with His Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. And with that, I'm going to wrap things up today. God bless you. I love you all. Till next time, bye-bye.